When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Three weeks in the books in the National Football League, so we have a little bit of data that we can apply to maybe what we can expect to see for the rest of the year in the NFL, even apart from just our Giants and Jets. Joining us now to help us dive into that data is our good pal, you know him, of course, as part of our broadcast crew on Sundays with the Jets, former New York Jet tight end. It is Anthony Beck. A.B., how are you, buddy? What's up, Dan? Things are good. We're just, uh, you know, down here in Tampa. We're uh, hunkering down here for for the hurricane. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, well, we know we're going to get wind and rain. Just hopefully it's not devastating, at least where we are. And, uh, you know, everybody's worried about the coastline and stuff like that. But uh, pretty significant storm, man, coming through. Yeah, no doubt about it. In all seriousness, I was going to get to that. So where you are, you're out of immediate danger, right? Because you're not in an evacuation zone or anything like that. Correct. Yeah, we're not in evacuation zone. I mean, the the path basically, if you look at any show that's on, as it goes through Tampa to Orlando, we're right in the middle of of in between there. So it's the path comes through us, but we are not near the coastline. So uh, you know, we're raised slightly. We're not around any flood lines. So uh, again, you know, wind, rain, tornadoes, all those things are variables. But you worry about power and stuff, but. Uh, decided to, you know, kind of stay home again. A lot of, a lot of our areas not evacuating, you know, as far as from that standpoint. So, uh, you know, we'll just uh, ride it out. Well, good luck to you, of course, and everybody down there. And we hope that, you know, this thing passes doing as minimal amount of damage as possible for everybody. So we're thinking about you guys down there uh, for sure. As far as the football is concerned, start with last night here with the Giants and what we saw against the Dallas Cowboys. Look, we knew that eventually they were going to have a game, that another team was going to be better, and the Dallas was the best team they've played so far this year. But I guess the performance of the offensive line is what was really surprising last night. And if Daniel Jones is going to be running for his life like he was last night, how big of a problem do you think that is for the organization in terms of trying to evaluate what they have in him as their quarterback? Yeah, they were bad. I mean, you know, I did, you know, two and O team. I give uh, Coach Dable a lot of credit. Uh, you know, keeping them in those games, making some some decisions that obviously got them some W's early on. But the offensive line across the board, outside of Andrew uh, Andrew Thomas, was just you know, horrible. I mean, Evan Neal did not have a good showing. I get it; he's a rookie, but you're talking about a top round pick, and you know, a guy that uh, you know is on the right side. So, you know that position alone, you know, gives him just a little bit of more, uh, he's not going to get the best rusher on that side. But uh, again, it was a problem. Uh, you know, skill position is at the receiver position is not really good. And it's unfortunate because it's just, you know, Galladay is a non-factor. Uh, you know, you're, you're got injured guys, you know, Juan Moore and, and uh, Kadarius Tony aren't out there. And then of course, you know, the guys that are playing uh, just aren't really game changers. You know, they're just the, you know, guys kind of just, we call them mm. Jags, just a guy. I mean, that's just what it is. So yeah, Daniel Jones running for his life. You know, I mean, I, honestly, I feel like, you know, if Daniel Jones has protection, he has some people around him. I actually think he's a really good quarterback, but it's just hard to get those, 
consistently visually see that, especially if you're a Giants fan, because, you know, after last night, it just you know, didn't look good. Can you make sense, because we're all trying to figure it out, I think that a lot of people, even in the organization, are trying to, like, what is the, 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 the mystery surrounding Kenny Galladay? Now, we all knew that maybe the contract was a little outlandish that Gettleman gave him last year for all that money, but, you know, he's not getting any snaps. Last night, he got a little bit more playing time, but he's not getting a lot of targets, and when they throw him the ball, he can't catch it. Like, what is behind this disappearing act behind this guy? Don't get it. You know, you're talking about a guy that basically came in the league that no one respected or cared about, and he had a chip on his shoulder. And now he proved himself in Detroit, you know, had to come out, came off some injuries, but still legit numbers that earned him the right to be a, a potential, you know, one somewhere else. And is it is it now that the attitude or his mindset or he's, he's kind of done a 180 on what exactly got him to that point? Um, it's hard to tell. I mean, uh, listen, you know, Coach Davis is going to play the best guys that buy in and do the things right. I mean, it's, that's kind of the standard of the job. And apparently he's not because he's not out there. So uh, that, that's, that's a problem because, you know, obviously there's money invested in this guy, not by the current regime, but in general, he's on the roster. And clearly there's, there's some type of attitude that, you know, just doesn't represent the level of play that he should be bringing to the table. And it's a disappointment. I, I never thought he was a true one. I thought mm-hmm. that he was, uh, you know, he played well in Detroit. You know, he earned the right to get a bigger contract, but I didn't think it was a, the right move initially by the regime to bring him in and make him that guy. But, man, just this part of it where, you know, this lack of concentration, just all the, the variables, the things that you're hearing about a guy that wouldn't really resonate with a top receiver just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, look, I mean, they need the weapons and the fact that he can't, he's still not at, able to go out there and they feel like he should be playing is, 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 a, is a big, big warning sign. And that circles back to the original point I was making and that, okay, if you're Daniel Jones, the offensive line is less than sturdy. You look at the wide receivers, I mean, it might be the most disappointing, underwhelming group of receivers, maybe in the entire NFL, Anthony. If you have those two things conspiring against you, how then are you expecting this quarterback to go out there to perform and make plays to justify keeping him around past this year? It's tough, you know. Um, honestly, I, you know, it's one of those things where you look at, just like I mentioned, you know, I think if the scenarios around him are different, um, you know, he's a much better player. But, you know, from what he's shown and what he's done and the visuals of all the ups and downs that he's had from the fan base, uh, you know, unfortunately it may be better for them to, to make a change. The problem is I don't, I don't know what they're going to find that's better than him from a skill set-wise that can jump in. It's almost as if you would probably rather have a guy at this point. And again, I don't know how he wants to go. Is a guy that can be a little more dual, a guy that can be a little more, and there's only one of them, but Lamar Jackson-ish a bit, uh, Mm -hmm. that obviously can be a really good passer, but man, can can elude a lot of pressure and help the line out until it actually gets stabilized. So how quickly can they stabilize it? I don't know, but until they don't, then they got problems because, you know, Daniel Jones is your best option because he can move. He can be athletic. But, man, like the things that he's really good at, he can't do it because yeah. either there's time and the guys can't get open because they're not good enough or there's just pressure instantaneously and he can't, you know, get a pass off that, you know, is, is, is accurate enough to make plays. My only fear with that would be, you know, you're talking about a guy who had a neck injury last season. 
that curtailed his year. And, you know, anytime you throw that into the mix, and you could call it a freakish thing, but this is football. You know, and the more you get this guy out and about and running and, and making him susceptible to contact – I just don't want his season or his career, whatever, to get cut short because, remember, this isn't he's not a guy as big as strong as Cam Newton is, and even years and years of taking hits from Cam Newton even made him less than what he was. You know what I mean? That would be my fear with Daniel Jones. Yeah, I cringe when I, you know, it's, it's just uh, I feel like there's actually some really good ball in this kid. I really do. I mean, I think he's really smart. He's dialed in. Guy's been in freaking multiple offenses. I mean, think about all the, all the odds against you that would probably ruin a quarterback. And then you see, you know, he can make plays when they can make them. So I think a change of scenery is best for everybody. But unfortunately, I think the advantage lies on Daniel Jones in a situation rather than the Giants. Because I just, again, what's out there? What can you draft? And who can come in that can make a difference that's better than him with the circumstances that you're dealing with unless it improves up front? Is it's, it's hard to tell. Anthony Beck joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. As far as the Jets are concerned, Disappointing performance last week, we know that. Now we're probably going to get official word tomorrow as to whether or not Zach Wilson's going to get the green light to get back in there. Oh, by the way, they just lost George Fant to the IR for at least four games, so the offensive line is thinning out as it is. If it was your call and you found out that, okay, Zach Wilson can play, even though the offensive line is struggling and you're going to have some inexperienced tackles in all probability, do you still ride him out there on Sunday or do you let Flacco kind of – take the punishment until that stabilizes a little bit more yeah look if he's 100 percent and he's healthy he plays he's got to play it's a travesty it's a travesty right now with the with the o-line situation and, and let's not be misconstrued you know george fan i mean he hasn't been playing well i mean that's just the bottom line i know he's on the left side that's not his position and that's tough to do but him but he was good last uh, year there you know, for the most part he was he was there's there just hasn't been playing at the same level dan it's just is what it is right. i mean that's what the tape tape shows. Lincoln Lincoln Tomlinson to me has been a bit of a disappointment so far. So as well, you know, he is just not playing up to the standard. I think he should either. So when your two best guys aren't living up to the standard, you know, ABT can't do everybody's job, and he's doing it at a really high level, right? So he's doing yep. a good job, and I mean McGovern obviously holding it down, and then this the swinging tackle situation. I mean, you know, Mitchell becomes a guy that actually is playing pretty decent he's uh, he's doing his job you know what I mean so if everybody just did their job you get a chance but we'll have to see man you know uh, Dwayne Brown all these guys Remmer uh, who's going to come in if they could just stabilize the position and Zach's okay but you got to play him you, you know he's ready to go I mean let's go like we can't you know I, I think Joe Flacco gives you you know good arms smarts all that stuff but man like we got to figure out like can Zach do it and unfortunately in the in this day and age the you're not going to get the perfect line or lineman available every single week. This is what it is. So uh, it's a part of the process, and it'll teach him to get the ball out of his hands more. It'll teach the play play callers to put them in circumstances where they get the play out of his hands more, and then that's what it's going to have to be. So, uh, but you know, you got enough weapons to to protect and help and and chip and do those things and be smart about it where he can still be successful. And what they have to do, I think, offensively, which would maybe alleviate some of that burden with the offensive line, is that they can't. They can't keep playing from behind, Anthony, right? I, I mean, like, falling into these big deficits, and so what does that make them do? They abandon the run game, which puts more pressure on the offensive line because the opposing defense can just pin their ears back and come get the quarterback. I mean, Joe Flacco, no quarterback. I don't care if you're Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady, whoever. No quarterback should be throwing the ball 50-plus times a game like Joe Flacco is having to do because this team is in these big deficits each and every week. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, it's uh, 
circumstances, you know, obviously dictate how the game flows. And you're right. If you don't start fast and you can't contain and keep the score tight, then, you know, clearly what ends up happening is you get off your game plan and passing in your mind is the only option. So, uh, you know, I don't know if the game was really out of hand at any point, even as you got into the, to the fourth quarter, you know, it was still two scores, which again, yeah, I get it, it's a lot, but your game plan, if you're within 14, you can always stay within your game plan. So, uh, you know, setting the, setting the line of scrimmage and, and really, you know, asserting yourself from, from, from a run standpoint, yeah, that's great, but you really put the onus on the defense if, in, in fact, you go three and out maybe once or twice until it actually gets going. Um, you know, that, that, that puts strain on, okay, listen, you got to hold the fourth down for a couple series and play really well, which I th- I feel like they've done early in the, in the football games that defense has. So uh, you just want to get manageable situations, you know, from the passing game standpoint, penalties kill you early down penalties. You know, the, these are things that have always been around the jets, right? Yeah. You stay away from those things and stay ahead of where, you know, if you're in third and four or less, it, it gives you so many more options in your playbook where it's like, okay, if you don't convert, that's on the offense. You know what I mean? It's not really doesn't dictate anything else, whether how you got there, whether it's run pass or, in, or differently, it's, it's where you, you know, now you're, you know, you get a penalty on first down, it's first and 15 or second and 16. Like, what do you, you're calling a pass. I mean, it's just what you're doing. So, uh, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, if I was, you know, I said at the beginning of the game, whoever wins this toss is going to take the ball first. Mm-hmm. Clearly the Bengals did that. They got it, and they took it right down the field. Like, that to me is what, you know, Jets need to win the toss, take the ball, go down the field, score, and then, bam, I feel like you can get in the flow. But, you know, right now, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to put something together, and it's, it's taking a little time. 155 pass attempts from Flacco. That's 15 clear of the next closest guy in the NFL. I mean, if, if anybody would have told me before the season started, Flacco would be leading the league in pass attempts first three weeks out, I would have thought you were nuts. But that's the, that's the reality that we're dealing with right now. I, I, you know that I can't talk to you without bringing up the tight ends. And I, I think we're all a little surprised because so much of the offseason then into training camp was about this newly revamped tight end room that the Jets had, and they were going to be more of a focal point of this offense, why haven't they been? Yeah, you know, there, there's no identity for, for the group in general. I mean, you have a lot of players that you're playing, paying a lot of money to, but, you know, what are their roles? I mean, what are they doing? Like, you know, C.J. Ozama, I'm not quite sure, like, what is his role with this team? Is he a block? Is just a blocking guy? Can he, you know, is he a, can he get a check down? You know, Tyler Conklin, uh, you know, he's got – I don't know what he's got, 18 or so catches, but they're meaningless catches, in my opinion. They're all at the end of the Because they're always from behind, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just, you know, where are they getting built in? Where are they becoming uh, that that eight, five to ten-yard dangerous weapon that, you know, there's a mismatch? And, and, and then also Elijah Moore, like, you know, what, what are we doing with the guy? Like, what's, his, what's the plan? Like, is he just going to run go routes or sail routes or – can we throw a quick screen or can we give him a jet sweep or can we give him a, you know, an orbit motion behind and swing the ball to him out of the backfield? Like those are like in my mind, like I feel like if I have a play sheet, I got like, okay, Elijah Moore section here. Like these are 10 ways I know I can give him the ball because if you sit there and say, well, it's predicated on the look and the defense and yeah, I get it. Right. That's, that's kind of what everybody says, but you also like, you got to have go-to plays where you're like, Hey, he's the dude, he's getting it. And it's dictated on, can he make a guy miss and go right? Cause it's, it's there. So these are things again, that we have weapons 
The Jets have guys now, you know, like it's Garrett Wilson is getting open regardless. He's the dude. He's a, he's a real legit receiver that the Jets have not had in a very, very long time. Okay. Like he's that kind of guy, but now you got these other pieces. They got to find ways to blend it in. And that is where, when they figure it out, okay, that's when it opens up a little bit, but you know, there, there's a lot of pieces there. It's just managing it all and, and making it, where it's an advantage for you and not like a struggle to, to find ways to get these guys, you know, involved in, in certain ways. Anthony Beck talking NFL with us here on 98.7 ESPN. What about the defense? You know, on Sunday, Bengals had given up more sacks than any team in, in mankind over the first couple of weeks. And the Jets, you know, you can talk about pressures and all hits and all this stuff, but, you know, they didn't bring Burrow to the ground as often as probably they should have. Why can't this pass rush get going, especially now you got Carl Lawson back in the fold this year? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I read something where he leads the NFL in pressures or something, you know, which, you know, you're always like, man, you know, Burrow's a, a quarterback. I mean, you just watch him play. He just found ways to get away from all the collapsing pockets and they were so close, but you got to finish. You got to finish half of those. You got to find a way to bring him down. He gutted you because you couldn't, and he can throw in the move and he can do those things. Not all quarterbacks can do that. I mean, if that was, you know, a different quarterback, that was, uh, you know, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, it would have been a disaster for him, right, in that game. So, again, you just you got to get home, and then uh, you know the, the the communication issues. Like we have a veteran secondary now, coaches getting communication to play. Like, if the players don't get – just get the players on the same page. we got enough guys in the secondary that played enough football. Like, pick something, get in it, and let's go. Like, yeah. you, there is no – there shouldn't be any confusion uh, and then something that can't get fixed in the immediate next series, right? So, uh, those things to me, I scratch my head. And, you know, yeah, a couple all-out blitzes that maybe Quinn and Williams didn't like. Well, you know what? They went all out on that one play. They scored a 56-yard touchdown. But if Jordan Whitehead just wraps up the, the, the receiver and now it's just a 10-yard gain instead of a 56-yard touchdown. So, again, it's just everybody understanding the details of their job. And it's not like it's not the next-level stuff. It's the basic things that you need to do. I mean, you're third and 12 at the 12 on the, going into the goal line and you come off your coverage from a uh, running back as a linebacker and Joe Barrow still got 10 yards of the run and he's not past the line of scrimmage. You don't need to attack him right now. You just sit back, you wait. Once he gets to about the seven, you know you can get there and make that tackle. So, you know, those are things, again, as you evaluate the film and you go through it, you know, you got to correct those things. But, you know, to me, this is a, a defense that, you know, should be doing more. You know, they're ranked, what, 15th overall, whatever that is. But mm -hmm. they were close in, in those moments. They, they have to capture those moments and really get it done and get home. And, uh, you know, we'll see – how it goes, you know, that this is a, this is a quarterback that's got some movement now that, again, is a, is a problem outside the pocket. So, again, you're going to have to figure it out how to, you know, kind of work that through that as well. Let me finish up on this one. Around the league here, you got two teams that remain unbeaten. It's Miami and Philadelphia. They're each in the respective divisions of the locals here, the, of the Giants and the Jets. Which one of these two teams, if you had to buy stock in one of them, are you more a believer in, the Dolphins or the Eagles? Eagles. Oh yeah, you know Jalen Hurts has, has been impressive to me. I really like his game. Uh, I, I really just you know watch his improvement through college. Every year he's gotten better at something, and it's happened to be the same way in the NFL. Uh, I think he's become a better passer. He's got to have some crappy games, man. He's not gonna. 
freaking Brady, everybody's got him. But man, he's put together three good ones. Like really he's got some weapons like, now too. Man, he was the he was the reason why. And absolutely, you see how much that makes a difference when you add more pieces around a quarterback. Like, and the guy can move around, run, and he doesn't take that silly hits. He's smart, and he's just ball ball. Like, and, and every quarterback is, but this kid, like. And I kept saying that people were, you know, I said this in Philly radio, and they're like, oh, he works hard. Like, he really puts it – he's got to put more time into the position than maybe other quarterbacks in this league, and he does. And it shows, and he's getting results. And I think right now with the pieces around him, it just – everything works better when, it, when the quarterback is on and he can give you something. And, again, he can help you survive with his legs, and now he can start helping you survive with his arm. And that's, that's a problem not just for the, his the division, but in, in the whole conference. So, yeah, I'm, I'll put my stock in heels. Miami, I, listen, I, you know, I'm not a believer yet. I, I'll say this. They play really good defense, and they played good defense last year, and two has been okay. I think what two has done in the early part of the year is when they've needed some plays to be made in circumstances in the game, he's made them. And he's got, obviously, two guys that can do a lot of special things catching the football and, and running with it after the catch. And clearly those are the two top guys. I think I saw today. They're, are they both lead one and two in, uh, in yards receiving, which is amazing, but they are those kind of dudes get the ball in their hands and they make plays. So uh, it's been a nice combination. And, you know, Tua, you know, has been, been able to just get the ball in their hands and, and they play really good D and, but I, I just like the way that the Eagles kind of collectively are playing right now. I think, you know, they're in a crappy division and it's only going to get better for them. Ironic that two undefeated quarterbacks are two former Alabama teammates in two one Jalen Hurts. Think about that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, look, it's, I, to me, it's, you look at Alabama in the past before that and they weren't, the quarterbacks weren't like that. But they do have a multiple skill set though. That's a little different than the guys in the past that, you know, listen, in this day and age in the league, you know, having some movement skills and avail, you know, being able to kind of do some things with your legs. And they don't do it in an extreme level, but more Jalen Hurts, who, who really is dangerous and, and does it in a very smart way, which, you know, you don't worry about it as much. But, man, I mean, it's, 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 it's tough to defend. It really is. No doubt about it. A.B., thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. Really appreciate it. And uh, seriously, you and everybody down there, stay safe. Get through the next couple of days as best as you can with the storm uh, barreling down there. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Will do, Dan. Thanks for having me, man. Take care. All right. Be good. There's Anthony Becht, our pal, joining us, talking a little NFL here on a Tuesday night. 800-919-3776, the telephone number. Remember, we're going until 10 o'clock. Then it's Gordon and Larry. When we return, though, We'll hear from the head coach of the Knickerbockers. Tom Thibodeau met the media today for his beginning of camp briefings as to what he expects to see this year. We'll talk Tibbs when we return. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. 
Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The fact he got the Mets mailing in a performance tonight against the lowly Marlins, which is going to cost them sole possession of first place in all likelihood unless they rally in these last couple of innings. And then I'm sure the conversation will segue uh, and circle around Aaron Judge and, and 61 watch and record watch and all those things because uh, he's up at the plate right now in the eighth inning and still does not have a home run. And if he doesn't hit one tonight and if he doesn't hit one in this at bat, then he's probably looking at seven consecutive games without going deep. Even though the Yankees have a 5-2, it's, it's, isn't it amazing, right, how like we're just so focused on Aaron Judge and so selfish on, like, an individual milestone. But meantime, oh, by the way, the Yankees are six outs away from clinching the AL East, which ordinarily is going to be the lead story and is going to be, like, number one thing we're going to be talking about. But no, it's all – and guess what Judge just did, folks? Yep, he walked again for the fourth time tonight. Fourth walk in a row for Judge. So five at-bats, four walks. That on-base percentage is uh, growing up. I can promise you that one. Uh, today over uh, in Rochester, uh, Rochester, Westchester, you had the Knicks still doing their training camp beginning and media availability and all those things. And today we got a chance to hear from the head coach, believe it or not. We didn't hear from Tibbs yesterday when some of the players spoke. But today we heard from Mr. Tibbs. And among the other things that um, we or he was asked about was, well, Julius Randle, Obi Toppin, you know, both play the same position. How are you going to utilize both of those guys for the upcoming season? The best thing about young players is they can get better, and they have. Our young guys are they're gym rats. And so when you get guys like that, they're, they get better. And then you, you play the guys. It's based on performance, who fits best together. It's not fantasy basketball. It's what makes the group work best. So that's what we'll do. You know, and I like the way he's growing. we got to get the best out of everyone. I just don't know if Obi Toppin is ready for, like, serious minutes duty night in and night out. I, I, I just don't. You know, I, I need to see a little bit more offensively, um, you know, even on defensively, too, on both ends of the floor, before I can really and truly trust him as somebody who could handle, you know, 30-plus minutes a night. I, I, I don't know if we're there yet. I hope we get to that point before the end of the season, but at least not initially. And, you know, I said it last night when we were listening to Julius Randle. If Julius Randle has a significant uptick from what we saw from him last year, I mean, and just in, in, in all facets, because numbers-wise, he wasn't terrible, wasn't as good as he was the year before, 
But he wasn't awful last year. But it's all the other things, the body language, the attitude, the sulky. Like, if you get a transformative Julius Randle, a guy who's a little bit more energetic, maybe shows a little bit more outward leadership, I think that changes the complexion of this team. I really and truly do. You know, I, I to me, Randle is the X factor. Not Jalen Brunson, not RJ. Julius Randle is the X factor. You get him playing at a high level again, changes the outlook of the team completely. Because I'm confident that RJ is going to do his thing. I don't know to what level, but he's going to be a solid, consistent performer. Brunson, I'd like to think that Leon Rose and his staff know exactly what the hell they're doing, that they really and truly believe that what this guy showed in the playoffs last year with Dallas is going to have a carryover effect playing in a, an environment and in a situation that he's going to be comfortable with, with players and coaches and so on and so forth that he is comfortable with. I think about how we're talking about a different club if all of those things come true. But I believe Randall is the key. What about a shooting guard? I've offered up my thoughts as to what I think maybe the lineup should be, but Tibbs was asked, well, is Evan Fournier right now the front runner to be the starting two? We need shooting. You know, the one thing that I know is that with Jalen, with RJ, with Julius, we have to put shooting around them. Right? Mitch will give us pressure on the rim. That's what will force the defense to collapse. And so Evan's proven, I thought the second half of last year, he played really well. So we have good depth at that position. We'll, we'll see how everything unfolds. Evan's great against the Celtics. I think how many big games he had against Boston last year. Um, Fournier, ironically enough, also talked to the media today. He was asked, what was it like last year in New York going through the struggles at times? You know, I think maybe earlier in, in, in my career that would have uh, bugged me a little bit or uh, or something like that. But now, you know, you're 11. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you, can't, you can't control any of that. And uh, like I said, you know, I was focused on Eurobasket anyway. Have you learned from last season? Knowing what to expect uh, is going to help me a lot. Uh, last year, it took me a moment to really understand, okay, what's, what's my role going to be with this team? How can I help the guys and how can I be myself? You know, I, I, I started the year very poorly defensively because I, I let my offense, uh, you know, re- really impact my defense. You know, I thought to end the season, it was much better, both sides of the court. And I think it's going to really help me just knowing the guys. I'm, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to compete as hard as I can. I'm going to be a good teammate. And, uh, and yeah. And then lastly from Fournier, he also was asked if he followed the trade rumors all summer long, which seemed to always have his name attached to something that maybe the Knicks were going to be up to here. It's hard not to. I mean, you know, uh, that's, that, that's the one thing I told my wife uh, heading into the, the offseason is uh, for the first time in our, you know, my career, you know, I'm in a big market. So uh, we can expect a lot of speculations and a lot of stuff. And, uh, and yeah, you know, you have friends. They all follow uh, all the, you know, the websites and stuff. So they, they let you know more than, uh, than, than, than anything, really. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a part of it, you know. Hey, bottom line is he's here. I still believe, I think he should be a guy coming off the bench. You know, why not put Quentin Grimes as the starting two? And I know that this is, you know, you're putting a lot on his plate. Not necessarily that even Quentin Grimes has to be playing the most minutes out of either guy. But I just think that, you know, Fournier is a guy who you know what you're getting offensively from him, at least a little bit more reliable than a Grimes that if you put Fournier in the game, that gives a boost to the second unit in terms of what they can contribute offensively. And if Derrick Rose is healthy, that's another stalwart that he's, that Tibbs is going to be able to call upon off of the bench as well. Think about how that second unit changes, right? 
Island Fournier leaves a lot to be desired defensively, sure, whatever. But, you know, I know that that's in Tibbs' DNA, but this is an offensive league now. you got to score points. you got to score points. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Say hi to our buddy Tino. He's in Staten Island. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tino, how we doing? Dan, good evening. How are you, my brother? Good, Tino. What's going on? Just got out of the gym. My ritual is to call you when I get out of the gym. There you go. A little hard work and a phone call. That's what I do every night. That's that's my ritual. Quick point on the Jets, and then you just basically put every point you just made on the Knicks. I just told your buddy that picked up the call. I was making every point to him. Quickly on the Jets, just quick. Yeah. Same old mistakes. No account. No accountability. Miscommunications. Uh, terrible coaching. Uh, coach doesn't get into the players' uh, faces when they make mistakes. Just just typical Jets. What I see. But I didn't call you about the Jets. I call you about the Knicks. And that's my passion. Uh, exactly what you just talked about, Dan. We went into this offseason as not making the move for Mitchell because our guy, Grimes, was the untouchable. We didn't pull the trigger. Now you're telling me training camp opens up and Grimes is not starting? How in God's name is that happening? And we're going to go back. Listen, no offense to Fournier. I like Fournier. He's good at what he does. He stretches the the court. He's a great three-point shooter, knockdown, to tell you the truth. Broken next time, all record for threes made. But he's a liability on defense. He's so much better coming off the bench. You put him with Font. You put him with D-Rose. You put him with IQ. You put him with Toppin. I mean, those are four quality guys coming off the bench. You know, give Grimes the early minutes. If Grimes doesn't work out in the first 15, 20 games, if he's not playing well, you can always go back to Fournier. But you didn't move Grimes because you were scared you didn't want to include him in a Mitchell trade, and now you're not going to start him. This is the same old dance with the Knicks, Tibbs, with that Tibbs does. It's just like I don't get it anymore. And I totally agree with you. Julius Randle is 100% the X factor on 100%. this team. If Julius, plays, if Julius plays like he did two years ago, this team will make the playoffs. And I don't, I don't know if you heard what Bobby Marks said today. No. He sees the Knicks as the sleeper of the league. He's, he got the Knicks winning possibly 45 games this year and being a sleeper. And, and, and most teams are underestimating the Knicks because they didn't make that many moves, obviously just Jalen Brunson and Isaiah Hartstein. And keep an eye on Isaiah Hartstein, uh, Dan. He's a guy I've been following since the G League when he was the MVP of the G League. Every time he's gotten an opportunity to play in this league, I know it's garbage minutes, his analytics are through the roof, Dan. We will be talking about Isaiah Hartstein. I'm going to make a prediction now. It Uh wouldn't shock me. If he, if he takes Mitch's job throughout through this year and plays the crunch minutes in the fourth quarter, we will be talking about this throughout the season. He is my sleeper on the Knicks. I'm telling you, look at Isaiah Hardstein's analytics. They are they are. I'm, I might sound crazy. They're on the level of Jokic. It's sickening, but there they are. I'm into analytics a lot. Well, he's moved around a lot the last couple you. of years. That's the thing about Hardstein. And Tino, good phone call. Appreciate it. Uh, um, Harvey, we got to lock that in. Right? We got to lock that in. Boom. Slam it. Tino in Staten Island. That Isaiah Hartenstein is going to be someone that takes over for Mitchell Robinson as the starting center. Hey, hope he's right. Hope he's right. I know that there's some familiarity with Leon Rose and company, you know, with the player and his all, you know, representation and that sort of thing. Um, look, it, it's worth a gamble. 
And this is one of those moves that the Knicks make or any team would make because you want to think that you maybe are uncovering like a sleeping giant, so to speak. And they're not going to throw a lot on this plate, but, you know, if he could go out there and give you good minutes. And the thing about Mitch is Mitch is a guy that, you know, gets into foul trouble occasionally. And Mitch also is a guy occasionally who can't stay on the court just because of the way he plays. And, you know, he always seems, you know, to lay it all out there. And then injuries take place. This is a good insurance policy. And who knows, maybe he is going to get pressed into significant minutes. You know, this is a guy in his career you're talking about who only played no more than average, average, maybe like 15 minutes a night. Is he going to find more minutes on this Knicks team? We'll wait and find out. In regards to where they stack up low, big picture, we'll talk about that when we return. Plus more of your calls at 800-919-3776. Can the Knicks be that surprise team in the East like Bobby Marks is alluding to? And I love Bobby Marks. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, we might be talking about a division championship that the Yankees clinched tonight. Doesn't sound like Aaron Judge is going to get a home run. Um, four walks tonight in five plate appearances. And the Yanks have a 5-2 lead in the top of the ninth inning, three outs away from clinching the Eastern Division. Mets, meantime, they need a miracle right now. They are trailing the Marlins 6-3 in the eighth inning, and it's just been a sloppy night all around. I mean, you know, lazy fly balls that are dropping in front of outfielders. Carlos Carrasco did not set the tempo as you would have liked. He had a horrible start this evening, and the offense has been pretty much dormant with the exception of that one three-run homer from Pete Alonso in the middle of the game. So Braves are that is that Braves are beating the Nationals 8-2, so they're going to win. So we're going to be talking tomorrow morning, likely, with the Yankees as the division champs, Judge still in pursuit of 61, and the Mets and Braves tied for first in the National League East with a week to go in the season. Remember, baseball regular season ends a week from tomorrow. That is the reality that we're living in, and I'm sure we'll be all over. The footballs, we turn the page to week four. Giants hosting the Bears, Jets visiting the Steelers, and we will get the official announcement from one Robert Sala as to who the starting quarterback for the Jets in week four is indeed going to be. Real quick, before we get back to the calls, on the Knicks, you know, I I still think, and I'm going to stick to it, that realistically the best you can hope for for the Knicks this year is they are in that playing tournament, in that 7-10 to 10 range. I think that's what you have to look at it, given the Eastern Conference and where it's at. Because, look, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, uh, Brooklyn, um, 
Atlanta, Cleveland. I mean, those are teams that are better than the Knicks right now. You want to say Chicago, even though every time you turn around, Chicago's having some guy who, you know, Ball is having another surgery. He's going to be laid up for a bit here. You know, Chicago could still be a dangerous team. Toronto is a scrappy bunch. They're very well coached up there. Knicks are going to have their hands full. You know, this isn't like uh, little sisters of the poor when we're talking about the Eastern Conference. They are good. They're really, really good. So I think if you just want to be a realist, that playing tournament is probably the best you're going to hope for this year. And I think that it's a reasonable goal. It's kind of our version of NBA purgatory. We, we always discuss, and it's not like where you want to be for years and years to come, but for this team, as they incorporate a young foundational player in Jalen Brunson, you hope. I think just playing meaningful games and playing playoff-type baseball there at the end is, I think, something that this team should strive for. I really do. Let's say hi to Richard. He's in Manhattan. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Richard. How are you? Hi, Dan. Do you know that Aaron Judge yeah. can be the first player in baseball history to win the Triple Crown in his league, but not in his city? Triple Crown in his league, but not in his city. Alonzo's got more RBIs. Oh, I see what you're saying. I go, okay, you're right. Alonzo now's got what a buck thirty-one, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's ahead. And I was predicting in the beginning, uh, toward the, uh, at, at, at the 50, uh, 81 games, I said, wouldn't it be great to see Alonzo and Lindor with 250 RBIs together? That was a big number, and uh, they may come close to it. They're coming yeah, close. I got, one more, I got one more for you. Yeah. The Yankees have had three seasons. Mm-hmm. 61 and 23. Mm-hmm. Then they went to 12-27. Now they're 22, assuming they win tonight, 22 and 9, which is almost the same rate as 61 and 23. 22 and 9. Out of these three different sections of the Yankee season, which has been the most shocking to you? The most shocking is obviously the middle part when they struggled. But if you're asking me which one is more reflective of who they really are, I think it's this current version of them. 22 and 9. This yeah. is almost the same pace they were playing at 61 and 23. I bit. think this is the this is the most shocking. I never thought they would recover from 12 and 27. And I don't think 90% of the callers into ESPN would have thought they would have finished at 22 and 9 as they're doing right now. When they were 12 and 27, they, I, I heard people talking they wouldn't even make the playoffs. They were free falling, and we just thought at that point it was just going to continue to go down. So as shocking as the first 84 games, which they were 61-23, and 23, which is total shock, <laughs> I think the recovery that they've made has been pretty spectacular. And it goes to show you that the reason they came back is because of the injuries. Once they started getting their guys back, and if you can imagine if LeMayhew and Carpenter and Benetendi, these guys came back, wow, this would be some team some team but we'll see what happens Dan always a pleasure thank you Richard thank you for the phone call and look it's baseball I know it's cliche and we talk about it all the time that's why you play 162 there are so many different mini seasons like Richard was alluding to in a full 162 games it really truly is because look first couple of months you thought that the Yankees were the greatest thing since sliced bread and to me I thought that was the most surprising in a way Because I didn't think that the Yankees were this juggernaut before the season started. I thought they'd be good. I didn't even think they'd win the division. I thought they'd be a wild card. 
I thought Toronto would win the East. But they'd come out like a house of fire, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh. How is this happening? And it was their starting pitching, which is like leading the charge. Like, that's not possible. Really? And then they went into that funk. What was it? From, like, the middle of June to, like, mid-August. And that was two months where they were playing, like, sub-500 baseball. And we were like, what the heck is happening? Like, how did the wheels just fall off? Despite the fact that Judge was, you know, a maniac. And now they've kind of righted the ship a little bit. They've had a good September. And I just think that, like, this is the group you have to look at now if you want to project, okay, what's happening in the playoffs with this team. You look at this group because this cast of characters are the ones that are going to make up the roster for October in the playoffs. You know, the pitching staff, for example. By the way, did you see that report that was out there that maybe the Yankees are considering or would consider DFAing Aroldis Chapman? I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you into thinking that I'm a believer in Chapman and that he's somebody that I would use in high-leverage situations. I wouldn't. He'd scare the hell out of me. But just to have him as an available arm? DFA? You that cash-strapped? You want to get rid of the contract for next year? I mean, you've obviously paid him everything you owe him for this season. You want to get rid of that contract? Really? Is that why you would do it? I, I can't see the. I'd be shocked if the Yankees went down that road. I really and truly would. But you never know. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.